Hello, I am Sam Sanders here right now with my friend Linda Holmes, host of the NPR podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour. Hi, Linda. Hi, Sam. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. It's the month of giving. Open those wallets. Yes. So in the spirit of giving, NPR has uh, tasked every podcast and every podcast host to urge their listeners to donate to their local NPR stations through various links. My link is donate.npr.org slash Sam. Mine is donate.npr.org slash happy. That's right. You can pick either one. And NPR has said to us, like, there's kind of a friendly competition Mm -hmm. uh, to see which podcast can get the most listeners to give the most to their local stations. And in the spirit of competition, Linda, I have a proposal for you. All right. All right. I'm here for it. All right. If It's Been a Minute listeners outraise Pop Culture Happy Hour listeners, uh, your punishment will be one of the following, Linda. Review an entire Post Malone album. Produce an oral history of all of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Rank every episode of Vanilla Ice's home improvement reality show from best to worst. Or do a Where Are They Now on the stars of the 2004 classic film Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that is fine. But if Pop Culture Happy Hour listeners outraise It's Been a Minute listeners, Uh you have to do your own punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I would not want to do any of those. Although, you know what? There's probably two or three Post Malone songs that I secretly love. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll take it, Sam. Uh, listeners, you decide who wins and who loses at donate.npr.org slash happy or donate.npr.org slash Sam. I only care about beating Sam. Do it for Post Malone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week on the show... Immigration reporter for the L.A. Times, Cindy Carcamo, and reporter for Quartz, David Yanofsky. All right, let's start the show. Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute, as my Aunt Betty said. Uh, We have two great guests in studio, both from Southern California, coming all the way from Hollywood. (laughs) David Yanofsky, editor of the Things team at Quartz. What is the Things team? Oh, man, we do do all the things you like. (laughs) Data journalism, visual journalism, interactive features, all the cool stuff. I love it. And from Orange County, Cindy Carcamo, covering immigration for the LA Times. Thank you for braving that traffic. That's okay. I appreciate it. So we are also joined in studio today by one of my favorite songs ever. It's called I Wish by a rapper named Skilo. I wish I had a brand new car. So far I got this hatchback. And everywhere I go, your wife gets laughed at. And when I'm in my car, I'm laid back. I got an A-track and a spare tire in the back seat, but that's flat. Remember this song? In the video? Yeah, it's nice. I bring it up because um, this is one of many songs in hip-hop that references the Chevy Impala. We'll hear it. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat. Six Four Impala is referencing the 1964 Impala, which is, in fact, the most name-checked car in hip-hop history. Uh, there was a study done by Medium and Rap Genius, and the 1964 Chevy Impala they found is the most name-checked car model in hip-hop, with mentions in 971 songs. Wow! Why is that? It's pretty. Have you seen one? 
I don't. I'm gonna. Google I probably it have. I probably have. Big it. old school long so car, full size car, very full size, very okay. full size. But I, I'm playing this song this week because we found out this week that GM, the company that makes the Impala, they're taking out a lot of car models. They're moving towards trucks and SUVs. Uh, they're laying off thousands of employees, and the Chevy Impala will soon be no more. I'm sad about it. Americans don't drive full size cars anymore. It's just like. You don't need you don't need space in the trunk for four four sets of golf clubs. But it's crazy because like it's not just like GM canceling some cars or closing some factories. A lot of these cars, like the Impala, are like iconic parts of American culture. Well, I, I wonder if that'll make the value of the Impalas that are already out there go up. Yeah, we should go buy an Impala. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest question is though, how do you park an Impala in LA? A 64 Impala is like a stretch. That way. You don't, yeah, I was, gonna <laughs> say, I was just going to say that. Anyway, as we do every week, I'm going to have myself and my panelists describe their week of news in only three words. Cindy, you have three words, and they are about uh, migrants coming to our southern border at Tijuana. We've been hearing about the caravan for a while now. Um, some folks are arriving there, and there was a tear gas situation there on Sunday. But your three words are about all of that. What are your three words? Children are resilient. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is uh, I was reporting in Tijuana on Monday, and I was just amazed at how you have these horrible situations that have actually been made worse by the weather, right? You have this migrant camp in the middle of the sports complex in Tijuana. Thousands of people. It smells like sewage. It's just a horrible... Bad weather, you said? Rainy, Uh, muddy, uh, just, I mean, it made a bad situation worse. And, uh, you know, a lot of parents standing around this playground, just really concerned, worried, calculating their next move, uh, whether they were going to ask for asylum, whether they were going to return home, uh, or they were going to stay in Tijuana. In the middle of all of this, these kids were on the playground, gleefully sliding down the slide, (laughs) you know, just playing and being kids. And Uh. um, probably because they have no idea what's going on. But I just thought, wow, you know, in the middle of all this chaos, you have this happy, happy scene. But meanwhile, I mean, their parents and the the older folks are just very worried about what they're going to do next. And it's not getting any better. There are more people arriving. And there's like a a log jam, right? Because they're taking in fewer people with applications now, right? So what's going on with that? (laughs) So actually, I wrote about the process over the summer in July where there's this notebook where people, as they come to the San Ysidro Port of Entry, will who are asking for asylum, will have their names put down in this like impromptu notebook. Uh, there are thousands of names on that notebook now. And what they do is it's run by these asylum seekers. So there's no oversight. The U.S. government will not even acknowledge it exists. Uh, the Mexican, Mexican immigration officials help facilitate it. So as people come in, they jot down their names. Um, on Monday, the wait was still like about a month. So imagine just that. to have just, an interview, or just something. to wait and to be able to give yourselves up, give yourself up to immigration officials. So it's like an informal system at the border, yes, run by asylum seekers yes. to create a waiting list. They made their exactly. own waiting list. It's pseudo dystopian. Who so, keeps an notebook? <laughs> <laughs> well, grupos from when I last reported on it. 
Grupos Beta, which is uh, the humanitarian immigration arm of of, of, uh, of Mexico, and then uh, this this notebook is you see, so it's unofficial, but the uh-huh. process is somewhat official because yeah. every morning Grupos Beta uh-huh. communicates with U.S. Customs and Border Protection and, and asks them how many people are you letting in today. Really? And then U.S. Customs and Border Protection, this is according to the Mexican government, Yeah. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says, okay, we're letting in, let's say, 30 people. And so then they give that information to, you know, Grupos Beta, and then Grupos Beta gives that information to the asylum notebook keeper. Oh. And then they call out 30 names. Wow. And they line them up. And they wow. get them ready to be admitted. Now, when I was there... And that's 30 few, out of how many total that are waiting right now? Oh, right so now, what, it's like thousands. What happens wow. if you miss your day? If you're in the bathroom when they're calling out the name? Yeah, no. Or if you're in your shelter and you don't have enough money to make the haul to wherever it is that, you know, to El Caracol right there where they're calling out names, wow. right? I mean, that happens too. So if you miss your name, then you have to talk to the notebook keeper and they try to get them in for the next day. So it's it's a difficult situation. It's a lot of confusion. Why is the wait so long? Does the administration want the wait to be that long? Some would say that they do. Okay. Because <laughs> they could say we're going to send a bunch more officers down there to they, process more people, right? That's what a lot of activists are saying, a lot of attorneys. And so, and not everyone knows about this process. So you, the and, notebook. The notebook, yeah. So, you know, you have people who are asking who actually, you know, have pretty good claims at asylum, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. I mean, who knows if they'll ultimately get it, but... Um, they don't even know where that notebook is or what the process is. What is the next with this? Is this is this going to be the new normal for like the next several months? Because there's more waves of be. people coming, right? It may be, yeah. And and scenes like what happened Sunday, the optics of that, you know, it's going to be taken by different sides mm-hmm. and and used for its own agenda. I mean, like people who are um, pro-immigration enforcement are going to say, oh, you see, you know, the border's out of control, which Mm -hmm. it's not, by the way. And on the other side of it, seeing the kids and the parents being tear gassed. Gives liberals more. Yes, exactly. Everyone gets to be more upset So it's just like everyone just becomes more entrenched and it becomes more of a polarizing issue. Is there any solution that you are seeing to this? No. Okay. David, you have three words? All bad Options. Sorry to be the Debbie Downer of the no. day. <laughs> you got to speak truth. You got to speak truth. Yeah, Theresa, Theresa May, the, the UK prime minister, cut a deal with the other leaders of EU countries. A deal for Britain leaving the European Union for Brexit. The deal for Brexit, yeah. And the UK Treasury and the Bank of England both came out with analyses of this deal. And both of them say that it is terrible for the UK economy. Why is it terrible? I mean, a lot of folks said from the start that Brexit would be terrible for the economy, period. But does this deal make it even more terrible? I mean, I think it's just as terrible as people thought. And now, <laughs> and now we have a because there's a specific deal, we can we can look at it and we can analyze it. We can come up with a number. And that number is up to 10 percent reduction in GDP over the next 15 years. Well, this is the thing that I don't get. It's like, one, we've been watching this process go on. It's been years now. Indeed, they haven't done it yet. They're still going back and forth. If I were a betting person, I'd be like, oh, they're not going to do it. Do you think they're really going to do it? I think they're going to do it, but it'll probably be watered down. Right? Like on a scale of- I don't think it's going to satisfy either side. Yeah. Fully. That's the thing with this deal yeah. is, is few people think that this thing is going to get passed by parliament. So it's still not all the way done yet. So Theresa May got it approved with other 
EU leaders, but it has to go through the British Parliament still. British Parliament needs to do it. And I mean, there's a situation that ends in a parliament that can't decide on this. And you get a hung no parliament and then, and then you're, you're calling new elections and then you end up with a different government that doesn't want Brexit. And then who knows what happens? I always wonder this and tell me if I'm stupid, but like... Why is the UK so wedded to doing this? Couldn't they just say the we changed our mind? But couldn't they choose again? There, there are there are folks who want to call a second referendum, right? That want to say now that we really know. Yeah, just be like, psych. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> let's let's vote again. Is that at all likely? There are definitely folks that are pushing it. They are not mainstream folks. I mean, it, it, it just in terms of accountability to the people, like the people voted and. Like this yeah. is this is the we talk about yeah. we talk after U.S. elections we talk about the mandate of the sure. of the winner and like this was the mandate yeah. of the winner. Uh, there's more to come. There's going to be what? There's a vote on December 11th when Parliament will accept this thing or not. Uh, we'll have more to report or more questions to ask soon. All right, you guys. I have three words. They're also kind of a downer. We've got some downer three words this week, but you know what? That's life. Mine are do not celebrate. And I'm talking about a moment this week that I felt should have been a big celebration, and it wasn't. If you recall, this Monday, uh, there was a Mars landing. Mm -hmm. Like, NASA sent up some stuff to Mars. This InSight lander landed on Mars to explore the interior of that planet in a way that has never been done before. You know, we have tape of the landing, actually. Touchdown confirmed. I feel like in any other era of American existence, everyone would, like, stop and celebrate and be happy in America. I didn't feel that this week. Did y'all? I was personally thrilled. I watched it live. (laughs) But did you take part in any communal celebration with your American compatriots? No, I didn't. Didn't it feel weird? No one was happy about this stuff. And I feel like we're in this, like, news cycle where, like, we don't take time anymore to enjoy the good things. I think more more interesting than the lack of celebration, I think, is the lack of wonder. Mm. It's like art. We should be completely and totally astounded that <laughs> we that went to Mars. People on Earth were able to launch a hunk of metal, metal through the atmosphere. Through the atmosphere. The atmosphere. Eight light minutes away. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, okay. Actually, you know, so so Trump made reference to it uh, in a rally he had in Mississippi on Monday. And he basically was like, yeah, the thing. Have you seen it? And today, today, we just landed on Mars. Did you hear that? <laughs> and then he moved on. Let, let us not forget that in the, the 60s and 70s, it was a space race. Mm. True. That's we were competition. We, were, we the Americans were trying to beat the Soviets. Yeah, this is you know collaborative. This is the whole world. This is kumbaya. Which is why we should even be happier. <laughs> right. We should even be happier. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go to a break. Coming up, I will talk with someone smarter than me, and I'll ask him why the stock market seems so crazy these days. You're listening to It's Been a Minute. We'll be right back. The following message comes from our sponsor, Capital One. Would you know if someone applied for credit using your social security number? If not, listen to Joe Whitchurch, head of the CreditWise app, talk about the new SSN tracker his team recently released. While identity fraud is something everyone needs to be worried about, we want to make it easy and seamless for them to become aware of anybody attempting to use their identity without their knowledge or permission. CreditWise is free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. 
You can find CreditWise in your app or Play Store now. Support also comes from Bombas. Bombas has re-engineered socks for ultimate comfort by getting rid of that annoying toe seam, adding arch support, and using some of the world's softest cotton. And for every pair purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. To date, they've sold and donated over 10 million pairs. To feel the Bombas difference, go to bombas.com minute for 20% off your first order. Hey, it's Kat Chow with the Code Switch team. A few years ago, I adopted this cute, but also shy, beagle mix from a dog rescue. But I noticed really fast that he mostly barked at my friends of color. It made me wonder, is my dog racist? So I went to find out. Check it out on the next Code Switch podcast. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I am here today with two great guests, Cindy Carcamo, covering immigration for the L.A. Times, and David Yanofsky, reporter and editor at Quartz and head of The Things Team. I'm just going to say it as much as I can because I like saying it. The Things Team. Anyway, before we get back to the news, did you guys see the story about Payless going upscale this week? I miss that. You I missed totally it? missed that. It happened one. in California. So we all know what Payless is, the <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. discount bargain shoe chain, which was a big part of my life growing up. Oh, yeah. My mom would take me there. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. down with Payless. <laughs> anyway, so Payless this week, they took over a former Armani store in Santa Monica, California, near us, and they stocked it with $20 pumps and $40 boots. Uh, but they didn't call this new Payless Payless. They called it Palessi. <laughs> P-A-L-E-S-S-I. And they had this grand opening and they brought in influencers and they asked these influencers what they would pay for these shoes. Uh, The top offer for a pair of those shoes was $640. Oh, that's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? I read a post on Medium the other day Uh that was someone admitting, basically, here's how I take dumb people's money and they buy like $20 nice looking floor lamps on Amazon <laughs> and then they post them on Craigslist oh my God. You know, how like much mid-century modern Stop. style style brass lamp with Edison bulb for like hundreds of dollars oh my gosh you could go to like TJ Maxx and like get that for like right bucks. are you a Maxxanista oh I love it me too it's so bad I'm into it <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it so anyways, speaking of Payless and Paylessy and money, I want to talk about another financial story. It is the stock market. At the end of last month, for a few days, there were drops so big in the market that it had wiped out all of the market gains for this year. But then the market has been coming back because the Fed said that it may not raise interest rates too much in December. So it's been this roller coaster of a stock market like month or so. And that makes me worry. That makes me fret. That makes me check my 401k more than I should. Um, so I wanted to call someone up who's really smart on these things and ask him about what all this means. So I called my friend and colleague in public radio, Kai Rizdahl. He hosts a little bitty show called Marketplace. You may have heard of it. Heard of it. And I said, Kai, should I freak out or not? So, Kai, I usually am able to ignore the stock market. I but know. I feel like the last few weeks, it has been a lot of market news that has made me watch. Yeah, well, it's been a lot of volatility, right? And and certainly, you know, 600-point swings are nothing to sneeze at. However, comma, we are long into an economic expansion. American companies are generally doing really well. The stock market is at elevated levels, I think it's safe to say. And I think what you're seeing in the last couple of weeks anyway 
is people thinking to themselves and traders thinking to themselves, hmm, when's the gravy train going to end? You roll that in with the chaotic political news. Also, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, although Chair Powell just the other day said things are good and everything's fine. And traders said, OK, good. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. But look, they're raising rates and money's getting more expensive in this economy. And that, I think, is part of what you're seeing. Yeah. But that big drop that we saw over the last few weeks, which is now mm-hmm. uh, kind of going away because it's going up again. What was that big drop about? Y- Do know, we know? T- take t- we, we don't know. I mean, I could sit here and I could spot a bunch of things and I'd be full of it. Right. Because if, if you look at the so let's look at the Dow. Right. Even though it's an imperfect indicator, it is the indicator that a lot of people like to use. Marketplace included. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is 30 lousy stocks, right? It's 30 mm-hmm. companies out of a zillion in the market. And there was a day last week, maybe it was 10 days, two weeks ago, whatever, I was away, where one company in the Dow lost a huge amount and that dragged the indicator down. So look broadly. I mean, the market is fine. Yes, it's going sideways, but everything's fine. Well, whenever I, when, whenever someone <laughs> says everything's fine, I say, blah, blah. All right. So look, everything is normal. Let me say everything <laughs> okay. is normal. Look, and, okay. and, and so, so I'll use that as a pivot, right? Because okay. there are some indicators out there that say, you know what? Maybe we're slowing just a little bit. Maybe we're slowing down. Yeah. So like there's been a few things like, OK, so this past week, you know, Goldman Sachs said the GDP is slowing to 1.8 percent mm-hmm. next yep. year. Morgan Stanley put the odds of a recession in 2020 at 30 percent. And Larry yeah. Summers, the former Treasury secretary, he says the odds are like 50 percent for a recession next year. People are, as the president says, people are talking yeah. <laughs> but look, n- none of that is new information, right? Okay. The, the predictions for for a recession in 2020 have been around for a long time. The idea that GDP growth is going to slow to something near to 2%, which has been the long-term average for the, since the financial crisis, is not new. What I think you're seeing is a reflection of people now becoming grounded in the fact that Look, we're going to get back to 2%. No matter what President Trump and uh, Larry Kudlow and Stephen Mnuchin, his Treasury Secretary, say, we are not going to keep growing at 4.2% forever. We are now coming off huge bumps in fiscal policy, which is to say the tax cuts. We are coming off huge bumps in deficit spending, which is to say the tax cuts and also more military spending, right? All of that is fading away into the distance in the economy, and we are going to get back to something closer to the near long term history of it. Which which has been about 2%. Okay. Another thing, though, that I'm hearing is that the crazy market fluctuations are in some ways like a canary in the coal mine. And they're seeing, or the market's seeing something that the rest of us aren't seeing yet, and there is danger ahead. Can we ever look at market fluctuations like we've seen over the last few weeks and say, oh, yeah, something's ahead? I would caution anybody against, and the caveat here is consult your own financial expert, right? But I would (laughs) caution anybody against looking at um, a relatively short-term data set about the market, and a few weeks is certainly a short-term data set, and saying, oh my God, what's going on? Yes, we've had fluctuations. Yes, we've had volatility. But if you look at a chart of the stock market since March of 2009, which was the post-crisis low, it has been, in essence, straight up. Markets do grow over time. Yes, they will fall, but they will eventually and inevitably recover because that's the way American capitalism works. I don't think you can draw a single reasonable conclusion from a month's worth of data. You just you just can't. And if you try to, you shouldn't. Okay. So then, and I'm, I'm asking all these questions because I feel like so many of my friends are on like recession watch. Like yeah, <laughs> looking yeah. back at the last recession, 
what indicator, what thing, what number was the canary in the coal mine? Oh, wow. And does that see, give the, us I mean, any idea of what to look for now? Yeah. See, the catch is that we all freaking missed it, right? We saw these rising home prices. And the, the indicator, of course, is rising home prices because everybody okay. bought into it and said, oh, these home prices are going to keep going up for everything. Everything's going to be great. And I can pull money out of my house to buy a new BMW, right? And that is what happened. But if in with 2020 hindsight, the thing to look at was housing prices. The, whatever happens in this next recession, whatever's going to cause it, is not going to be housing prices because we've learned hmm. that lesson and they're already slowing and they're stagnating and, and, and you know, we get that. It's going to be something else. So the catch is, and the thing that will make somebody a whole lot of money, right? Because they're going to see this and they're going to go, I am going to short that. If you remember Michael Lewis's book, The Big Short, right? There were like three guys in the entire planet who bet against the American economy. Somebody will point out or or find what that is going to be. I don't know what it is because if if I did know, I wouldn't be doing this for a living. (laughs) Well, I probably still would, but whatever. So then I guess it's fair to say that we can never actually predict the recession, the market can't predict no. it. Science signals no. can't predict it. I brought you here to tell me when it's going to happen, and you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, man. It's okay. Um, right. So then if the fundamentals of the economy are strong, as you say, yeah. but a slow in growth is probably somewhere down the road, yeah. I get that. That makes sense. But now I want you to tell me what economic story in the world, in America right now, are we not paying attention to that we should be paying some more attention to? Well, so look, we 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 act, we all know this, and we don't do enough coverage of it. It's the economic inequality, right? It's the wealth gap mm. in this economy, the wealth being concentrated on the coasts and a couple of big cities, and and so many tens of millions of more people in this economy. Literally, still ten years after the recession, the fallacy of saying unemployment's only at three point seven percent and and wages are growing leaves out a huge chunk of this economy where wages aren't growing, where people mm-hmm. are working three jobs, where people are still trying to recover. Uh, from the effects uh, of the recession. And that's real, and that's not getting probably as much coverage as it deserves. Yeah, yeah. I will not check my retirement account for the next few weeks. Oh, no, God, no, Sam, don't do that. (laughs) I love checking it. I love checking it. Don't do that. Anyway, Kai Rizdal, tell folks where they uh, can find your stuff besides Marketplace, your amazing radio show. It's easy. Marketplace.org. I'm on Twitter at Kai Rizdal. Molly Wood and I, who hosts our tech show, we do a podcast called Make Me Smart. We talk about tech and the economy and culture and all that stuff. Yeah, we're, we're out there. Search online. Google me. Don't. <laughs> Google don't, me. Don't, don't, don't Google me. <laughs> Had a woman today on Twitter say she was going to get a Kai Rizdal tattoo. I was like, no, don't do that. Let her do it. Don't do brand. that. Build the brand. She would be <laughs> a brand not, ambassador. The, Sam, that's not the brand I need, yo. <laughs> Well, where would the tattoo be is the question. uh, On that note. (laughs) Okay, we're going to go now. Thank you, Kai. Always a pleasure. All right, see ya. Bye. All right, thanks again to Kai Rizdahl. How do y'all feel about the markets? Do you, I feel like I worry more than most people, but you've been worrying too a little bit. I'm still anxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because no one, like, no one saw the recession. I mean, well, very few people, I think. I didn't hear about the recession coming when it did. Yeah. It took us all by surprise. Mm-hmm. And so what's... I feel like it could happen again. I mean, sorry, Kai. I mean, I guess I... <laughs> <laughs> He's a big boy. He'll be fine. <laughs> I, all of my friends and my family, we all talk about it. Really? And everyone's anxious about it. Yeah, it's like and recession preparing watch. preparing for it. Like oh, preparing totally. for it. Yeah. Recession preppers. Yes. Are you worried about it? I, I am a business journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I uh, w- brainwashed is one way to put it. Uh, re- reading, I have read the studies. I understand. You read the whole studies the, or the, the abstract? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the study. See, I, <laughs> I read the abstract. <laughs> but you know, I come from the same school of thought of, as Kai. Yeah. Some of these things are out of our hand. Yeah. And the long-term trends of these things have shown goes over and over and over again that you are better off biting your lip in the bad times Mm. and just not touching your money and just... Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm not not checking my 401k like you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that to myself. (laughs) I think I'd be a nervous wreck. All right. It's time for a break. When we come back, my favorite game, Who Said That? BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Hi, it's Linda and Sam. We're back to remind you to support your local station and all of the rest of public radio. Where do they do that, Sam? Donate.npr.org slash Sam or donate.npr.org slash happy. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I am Sam Sanders here with two great guests, Cindy Carcamo, who covers immigration for the L.A. Times, and David Yanofsky, who covers business as an editor and reporter at Quartz. It's time for Who Said That? Ooh, who said that? Who said that? You look nervous, I'm Cindy. So nervous. <laughs> David is like ready for I'm action. Like, I'm not I don't know. know any of I don't know. I mean, I did the last night of bar trivia I went to, my team did win. Okay. Oh. What's your team name? Supper Puppies. Why? Oh, nice. I joined after they came up with the name. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. I think it's a cute. I think someone misspelled super the first time they went and then they just left it. Forever, like now every time I go, Brooklyn's hottest, newest band is Supper Puppies. (laughs) Anyway, this game is very simple. I share a quote from the week. You have to guess who said that or get the story I'm talking about, get a keyword, just get close. Uh, The winner, as you know, gets absolutely nothing. Hmm. You ready? Yeah. First quote is, we are in 21st century and everybody has a different taste. I think they look fantastic. In real life, they look even more beautiful. Who said that? Oh, gosh. It was a DC story this week. It's seasonal. Oh, God, it's the trees. It's oh, tre- Say a name. Say uh, a name. Was it Donald Trump or Melania? Yes, Melania Trump. Melania oh, really? Trump. Have you seen this? Oh, wait a minute. Is it those Christmas trees? Yes. The red ones? The red ones. Oh, God, that's so scary. <laughs> oh, so our first lady, Melania Trump, uttered these words this week. She was defending the way that she chose to uh, decorate the White House for Christmas. Um, she's getting a bunch of critique for these humongous, big, tall red trees, no decorations, just blood red trees. So tweet that was um if you're familiar with gritty this is the mascot for the pittsburgh yeah philadelphia flyers Uh, someone someone had photoshopped the the faces uh, the gritty face, the gritty face, <laughs> orange, the this, like bright orange character onto the trees. It's it was uh, the best take I saw uh-huh. on the trees. Cindy, do you like them? 
No. Oh, they're <laughs> creepy. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't read the story. I just saw the image and yeah. I was like, ooh. I mean, I That's will kinda... say not all of the trees in the White House for Christmas are red. There are others in there that are very traditional with ornaments and decorations and stuff. I also think that a lot of people look for any chance to be mean to Melania. And I'm kind of like, let this woman live. <laughs> let, let Melania live. That said, I don't want to be alone in a dark room with those trees. <laughs> anyway, uh, you got that one. David, you're up one zip. Cindy, it's okay. This next one's actually hard. This next one's hard. You ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the quote is, I see you're on my flight. Enjoy the ride to Chicago. Who said that? This was the weirdest story I saw all week. Flight. Who is always on a flight? Pilots. Yes, it was a pilot. <laughs> we'll give it to you. Uh, so there was um, a passenger on a Delta flight back in August who says while he was in the sky uh, on the plane Wi-Fi using a gay dating app called Grinder, the pilot of the plane in the middle of the flight in the air messaged him no. on Grinder. No, Sam, we can't oh, talk about this. Man. I have I have a history. I have a history, uh, history of what? I have. <laughs> I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a story th- maybe three years ago now. I'm sorry, what? Pilots are not allowed to use electronic devices in the cockpit. Really? And, yeah. So this guy broke the law. This guy, uh, b- oh. possibly. Are, I'm going to not- you before we get to that. Yeah. But, so basically. Bad, bad pilot. Uh, th- this, <laughs> this college student named J.P. Thorne told the New York Post this week that he had Grinder up in the sky on the Wi-Fi uh, on an August flight, and the pilot of the plane hit him up, said, hey, what's up? They joked about turbulence. Um, And then afterwards, this guy, J.P. Thorne, said, sure, I would have coffee with him, but I don't think they met. But you're saying, David, this is illegal? Well, obviously, we don't know. We don't know if this pilot was in the cockpit or was, was on duty. What but, do you mean? Aren't aren't a pilot? Isn't a pilot in the sky always on duty? You're it, could in the be, sky. It, could, it could be a pilot who's flying to get somewhere else to to take uh, a flight. It could be a pilot that's in the in what's called the jump seat in the cockpit, the, which like, is like the, the second seat, the, the third seat. Oh, but maybe he was on his break. Can you take a break? You can't take a break. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you can take. Yeah, you can take a. You could. You could take a break. You can take a break. You can. Like a union mandated break. I'm gonna. Break. They get to go to the bathroom. Yeah, they get to have coffee. The There's a whole procedure. They put. Oh they put God. the cart in the aisle, and the flight attendant <laughs> stands in front of first class. If you look closely, you'll really? see it. But well, you know so much about that. Keep it out. Of, wait till you land. <laughs> wait till you land. Is all I'm saying. All right, um, David, you're up. Two zero, but I'm gonna change the rules and say <laughs> this last question is worth three points. Mm. So whoever gets oh, it wins it. I'm trying to just help you out, <laughs> David. Can you do this? Mm. Get ready. All right. Last quote: Steers are usually destined for slaughter by the age of three. So at seven, he's had time to pack on an awful lot of weight. The big cow. Big cow. We're going to give it to you. Wow. Actually, it's actually not a cow. The big steer. Big steer. Did you whole... see the story, you guys? No. Yeah. Show I her the know. photo. I, my, my phone's oh, off. I'm on it. radio. Oh, okay. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> there were a series of stories this week about a six foot four steer, male cow, that made the news this week because it was photographed next to a bunch of cows that were much smaller. Oh. Um, so everyone was talking this week about big cow. I'm gonna it show is you the picture big, right now. It's a, it's it's big cattle, no matter what it's standing next to. It's humongous. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show From you. From where? Australia. It's a big Holstein cow. You know, white with the with the black 
blotches yeah, and then yeah, and it yeah. has look, and it has little little I brown cows this. around it. My husband grew up on a dairy farm. <laughs> you see that? Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh! That's yes. a big old cow. Oh, but it's different from the others. It is. So that cow was six foot four. That steer. His name is Nickers. He weighs twenty eight hundred pounds. But he was wandering in the grass with a bunch of smaller cows of a different breed. So those cows were like four, four and a half feet. And this big cow towered over them. So everyone was talking about it. But then the Washington Post came and like poured water all over our happiness about big cow. First, they said, to be clear, it's not a cow, it's a steer. Oh. Then they said, oh, it's not a giant cow, it's supposed to be that tall. Uh, to which I say, let me have some happiness. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was a happy ending, though. Uh, the Post says that the animal had become too large to put through a facility for processing, according to his owner, Jeff Pearson. This is like saying Shaq isn't tall. He's just Shaq. He's just Shaq. Anyways, that quote actually came from Craig Hickman. He's a farmer. Uh, David you're the big cow today. <laughs> you won. Yay, David. Congratulations. <laughs> How does it feel? Um, you know, <laughs> it feels great. It, it reminds me It reminds me of, of uh, the other piece of knowledge about cows that I know, which is that if a cow has a name, you're not going to kill it. <laughs> David the cow, you live to see another day. Mm-hmm. Thank you both for playing. <laughs> that concludes Who Said That. All right, now it's time to end the show. As we do every week, we ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Hi, Sam. This is Amy in Champaign, and we're calling about the best thing that happened this week, which happened to Kenzie, who's seven, and she had a new discovery. What was it? Narwhals are real. She uh, really likes them, and then we found a video that showed a picture of narwhals with a beluga, and she got to see that they were not just a stuffed animal. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Sam, this is Justin from Dayton, Ohio. The best thing of my week was celebrating my 16th anniversary with my wife, Melissa. But then again, she's the best thing of every week. The best part of my week was having run slash walked 1,000 kilometers to reach my goal for 2018. I defended my master's thesis. And I celebrated my husband's birthday. The best thing that happened to me this week was watching our son be commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Coast Guard. The best part of my week is that officially all my roommates and I are employed. We graduate in December and we're moving to four different cities. And uh, they definitely deserve all the, all the hard work paying off right now. Hey Sam, this is Anson from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been a firefighter here for 31 years, and today I found out that my son has been accepted into the next recruit class, so he is also going to be a firefighter following in his father's footsteps. Hi Sam, my name is Brandon Smith, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. The best thing about this past week for me was I was able to take some time off during the holidays to just kick it with the kids. We went to my parents' house to see my dad on his 72nd birthday. We went to the Great Lakes Science Center. We ate hot dogs. We watched TV. We just, we just kicked it, and it, it, it's just really fun and a blessing to be able to spend as much time with the kids as they get older, while they still think I'm a relatively cool dad. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks. Love the show. Have a great week. Take care. Bye. Shout out narwhals. It's a big tooth. Yeah. It's a wait. It's a tooth. It's a tooth. The horn is a tooth. It's not a horn. It's a tooth. Okay, cow steer, whatever. That's, <laughs> that's why he won. <laughs> <laughs> this is the. Like, what, what, are you like a trivia? Yeah, well, you said you were a trivia. That's the trivia. I love it. <laughs> Thanks to all those voices you heard there. That was Amy and Kinsey and Justin, Cindy, Scout, Marcia, Adeline, Anson, and Brandon. We appreciate all of these that come in every week. They cheer my heart. And I want to take a little second right now to give a shout out to my family, who was the best thing of my week, Thanksgiving week. It's kind of a long story, but it's worth it. 
So my mother is in San Antonio, Texas. That's where I'm from. And I go home for Thanksgiving every year. But this year, all the family wanted to come down. Aunties, uncles, everyone. And so my Aunt Betty was in charge of cooking. And she said, I got this. We'll make it work. Uh, She began to prepare for Thanksgiving weeks ahead of time. She baked two cakes, shipped them from Delaware, where she lives, to Texas to have them in the freezer waiting for her. Um, She brought pots and pans, shipped them out to my mom's house. She could cook when she got there. And then the day that she showed up for Thanksgiving, I was there. She came in that Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. She had this roller bag. She says, Sam, bring in the roller bag. Uh, Take that stuff out and put it in the freezer. And I said, what do you mean put it in the freezer? My Aunt Betty had cooked up pounds of collard greens, deep froze them, vacuum sealed them and flew them down from Dover, Delaware to San Antonio, Texas. She took them through TSA, went through a full pat down, almost strip search to get mm-hmm. those collard greens down here. Mm-hmm. That was that was one whole bag of greens, frozen greens. Wow, she had amazing. another bag with her mixing gear and her cutlery. She brought it all down to cook. And then on top of that, my uncle Charlie came down to San Antonio from Houston, Texas. He deep fried a turkey that morning and drove it down. That's love. That is love. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. All of it was so good. Anyway, on that note, I wish I was a little bit taller. Uh, it's time to say goodbye to you all. We're going to go out on a really good song, bringing back Skilo and I Wish, mm-hmm. paying homage once more to the 6-4 Impala. Now I really want to go rent an Impala this weekend <laughs> and go joyriding like on the PCH. I think about when I think about this song, I think about I think about how I used to be a short guy. <laughs> and now, now I'm a tall guy. I'm How, like, you're like very tall. How tall are you? I'm six three. Okay. But when I was in, but when I was in like ninth grade, and I was like five one, this was my jam. Dude, I'm five foot barely, and it's still my jam. <laughs> Do you wish you were a little bit taller? <laughs> no, actually, I love my shortness. Okay. Yeah, I'm very comfortable with it. I can navigate crowds like this. And meanwhile, my six foot three husband is like in the back. Uh huh. <laughs> the back of every concert. Yeah. <laughs> with a perfect view. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Many thanks to both of my guests here today, Cindy Carcamo, covering immigration for the LA Times. How can folks follow you on Twitter? At the Cindy Carcamo. Thank All you right. so much for having me. Oh my me God, on. thanks for being here. And uh, head of the Things team at Quartz, David Yanofsky, how can folks find you on the socials? They can find me on, on Twitter at YAN0, and uh, they can also find me on the new Quartz app. Quartz. Uh-huh. All right. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sashri with help from Alex McCall. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. And our big boss, senior VP of programming at NPR, her name is Anya Grundman. Uh, listeners, if you like the show, if you like Skilo, if you like deep fried turkey, if you like collard greens, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it helps other folks find the show. I could go on, but I won't. Uh, all right. Till next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. You know I take the one chin into the 105. Get off on good job, tell my homies look alive. Cause it's hard to survive when you're living in the concrete jungles and these girls keep passing me by. She looks fly, she looks fly. Make me say, my, my, my.